comes from the book of Hebrews. Uh, that is page number 1,878. We're looking at two verses from chapter 12, verses 28 and 29. Again, that's page number 1,878. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 28 and 29. Hear the word of the Lord. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. And so, worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, as always, we come before you and we ask that you would speak to us through your word, that we might recognize this morning what grace it is that we are receiving a kingdom. It's being given to us by faith. It's a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And so let us be thankful. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> uh, when preaching a Thanksgiving Day sermon, it's kind of nice because the topic of the sermon is already chosen for you. Uh, hey, pastor, why don't you preach something about gratitude and Thanksgiving? Sure, no problem. I can do that. And uh, gratitude and thanksgiving are interesting because there's a, a couple things to consider. First, uh, to whom should we be grateful? And then second, for what should we be grateful? And there are many people who deserve our gratitude, and there are many reasons to be grateful. I, for one, am grateful for the fruit stand on Highway 120 in Jacktown. They produce these creamy apple pies that I get to eat every Thanksgiving and every Christmas, and I am very grateful to them for doing that. I'm grateful to my wife because she manages our home and she loves me and she cares for our children so well. I am thankful to the elders and the deacons here at this church. It's a pleasure uh, to serve alongside them and they encourage me in the ministry that God has called me to here. And I'm sure that uh, all of us can think of many people that we are grateful to and many reasons why we are grateful to them. But the Bible calls us to direct all of our gratitude first and foremost to God. As James tells us, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. So God is the one who gives us good food, like creamy apple pies. God is the one who gives us meaningful relationships and other people to share the joys and the responsibilities of life with. And so more than being grateful to my wife, I'm grateful to God for my wife. I'm grateful to God for the elders and the deacons of this church. God is the one who should receive all our gratitude so whenever we ask the question, to whom should we be grateful, the first person on that list is God. 
The next question is, for what are we grateful? It is right to be grateful to God for the good gifts of this life. It's right to be grateful to Him for friends and for family and for finances. It's right to be grateful to God for health, for good and pleasant circumstances, for the opportunities that we have in this life. But for every blessing of this life we highlight on a day like today, there's always someone who has lost that blessing or maybe never had it. We should be grateful for friends, but if we highlight the blessing of friendship today, what about the lonely? What about the person whose best friend has betrayed them? We should be grateful for family, but what about orphans? What if we've just lost a loved one? What if we're estranged from someone we love? We should be grateful to God for all the ways <clears throat> He provides for us. But what if we've just been laid off our job and the bills are piling up? What if we or someone we love has just been diagnosed with something that has turned our world completely upside down? So today, we are going to consider something that each and every one of us can be grateful to God for. And if you happen to be here this morning and you don't have this thing, you can actually have it before you leave here today. And that thing is faith in Jesus Christ. No matter the details or circumstances of our life, every single one of us here today can be grateful to God for our faith in Jesus Christ. Listen again to our passage. The writer says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. We are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Therefore, let us be thankful. This verse comes from the conclusion of the book of Hebrews. And the book tells us about all the various threats to our faith in Jesus Christ. And how the faith that Jesus gives us is a faith that will withstand all of those threats. It's an unshakable faith that enables us to receive this kingdom that cannot be shaken. Our faith is the thing that allows us to reach out and take hold of this unshakable kingdom and bring it in. In chapters 1 and 2, the writer to the Hebrews warns us that our faith is threatened if we believe there is a greater heavenly being than Jesus. And the writer concludes that there is no being greater than Jesus in heaven or on earth. And then in chapter 3, we're told that our faith is threatened if we believe there's a greater prophet than Jesus. And the only thing that can deceive us into believing that anything is greater than Jesus is our sin. And so the writer warns us that our sin can lead us into believing false things about God or the other way around. 
Believing false things about God can lead us into sin. And so we're told, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Because a believing heart can never turn away from the living God. Then in chapter 4, we find out that our faith is threatened if we rest in something other than Jesus. We can't rest in our own goodness because on our own, none of us is good enough to come into God's presence. But we can't rest in the pleasures of sin either because disobedience also keeps us from God's presence. But we can rest in Jesus. We can rest in Him because He fulfilled the law perfectly in our place. We can rest in Him because He never once disobeyed His Father in heaven, and He gives us His perfect obedience as a gift. Therefore, we're told, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. And then I love this verse. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So Jesus is the greatest heavenly being Jesus is the greatest prophet. Jesus is the greatest rest, the only true rest that there is. But that's not all. He's also the greatest priest. In chapters 5 through 9, the writer of the Hebrews tells us all about how Jesus is the greatest priest. Now, for those of you that may not know, I'm sure most of us do, but a priest is someone who goes between God and man. He represents God to the people, and then he also represents the people to God. And so a priest is the one who prays to God on behalf of the people. A priest is the one who brings sacrifices to God on behalf of the people. And Jesus is the greatest priest because he offers the greatest sacrifice. He didn't offer God a bull or a goat. He offered God himself. He laid down his own life as a sacrifice for his people. And he didn't offer his sacrifice on the altar in a temple. No, he, he let himself be crucified on a Roman cross as the sinless, spotless, perfect human. And then he rose from the dead and he took his sacrifice right into the heavenly temple. The writer goes on, but when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands, that is to say, is not part of this creation, talking about heaven. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. So Jesus is the greatest heavenly being. He's the greatest prophet and the greatest rest. He's the greatest priest because he offers God the greatest sacrifice. 
so that he can offer us the greatest salvation. Therefore, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. He has promised us a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and he is faithful to give us a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So let us be thankful. And then in chapter 11, the writer of the Hebrews reminds us about all the people that we read about in the Bible who put their unswerving hope in Jesus. In the Old Testament, they hoped in Jesus because of the promises that God made about Jesus. And the writer tells us about Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham. And we're told that they all were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. They were longing for a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And then he goes on to remind us about Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and Joshua and Rahab and Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel. And if you are familiar with what's happened in our church in the last several months, we can add a few more names to that list. We can add Keith and Celia and Jerry and Bob and Ron and Willie and Marcella. All who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised. And then in chapter 12, we're reminded that God loves us so much that he will not let sin deceive us. He'll discipline us if he has to, to keep us walking with him and growing in holiness because we're his children. And every good and perfect gift comes from our Father above, including our faith, which gives us the strength to persevere through any threat to our faith that this life can throw at us, which is why we can know that in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. This is the Apostle Paul here, and he goes on to say, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It is through faith that we know that there is nothing greater than Jesus. There is no heavenly being greater than Jesus. There is no prophet or priest or any rest they can offer that is greater than the salvation Jesus offers to anyone who will simply put their trust in him. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. So no matter where you are today, no matter if you are lonely or suffering, or if your life is filled with family and friends and happiness today, no matter what our circumstances are, if we've put our trust in Jesus, we can be thankful that we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Listen to Psalm 46. David writes, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, 
Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. So basically, even if the most unshakable thing in this earth gives way, the faith God has given us that you can have today, if you've never known this faith before, as a faith that is meant to keep us running to God for refuge and strength, knowing He is our ever-present help in time of trouble. It is a faith that is meant to keep us from falling, even if the earth gives way or the mountains fall into the sea. It is a faith that allows us to receive a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So let us be thankful. Finally, I want to close with this, which is just the question of how should we respond? And the answer is we do what we're doing this morning. We worship. When I, when I walked in here this morning, there was something more festive today. And I think it's because it is Thanksgiving. It's a day that in God's grace, he has caused us and our culture to pause and to give thanks. And when we give thanks to God for who he is and all that he's done for us, right, it, it, our hearts are really aligned properly. So let's read the rest of the verse here. It says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. And then notice what he says next. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Friends, the only reasonable response to the fact that through faith we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken is to worship God acceptably with reverence and awe because he is a consuming fire. This picture of God as a consuming fire, it comes from the Old Testament. And it's there to remind us that God is holy. He is so holy that he burns up anything that is unholy or impure, which is why us, as unholy people, must approach him with reverence and awe There's a story in the book of Isaiah where Isaiah the prophet, who was a very holy man, relatively speaking, gets this picture of God upon his throne in heaven. And there's all these angels there, and they're singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is filled with his glory. And as they're singing, we're told that the um, foundations of the temple shook, right, the heavenly temple, and then it was filled with smoke. And when Isaiah sees this scene and he's overcome with God's holiness and his own sin, we're told that this is his reaction. He says, woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. See, God is so holy and Isaiah was so sinful that in this moment he was terrified that he was going to be consumed by the fiery holiness of God, which is why he says, woe to me, I'm ruined. But instead of being consumed, this is what happens. He goes on and says, 
Then one of the seraphim, which is an angel, flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. So how can a coal from the altar of God in heaven take away all of Isaiah's sins? Well, we know why from the book of Hebrews. Because Jesus entered into the heavenly altar with a perfectly sac- perfect sacrifice that could not be consumed by God's fiery holiness, but that could bear all of his fiery holiness for us in our place. Because that sacrifice was offered on that altar, you and I can be made pure and holy simply by a coal from that altar. And we can know because of that, because of our faith in Jesus Christ, that we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, so let us worship God with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful. We're so grateful today that no matter what our circumstances are, we can worship you with gratitude and praise because of what you've done for us in Christ. And even if we're suffering in some way, God, we can, we can be grateful for the blessings that we do have today because all of us have something this side of heaven to be thankful for as well, God. And built on your promises to us that we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, we pray, God, that you would give us eyes to see all of the many reasons we have to be thankful today on top of the fact that we are receiving that kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.